the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. Happy Friday, November 11th, 2022. We'll say some words to and about our veterans. Thank you. First and foremost is what needs to be said. I hope you're having all of you a meaningful Veterans Day. Thank you for those who uh, served and are serving. It is a delight to start the show the way I am going to. For those that want to get heavy into the politics stuff, we'll do that in the second hour. We'll have George Kaloff for the entirety of the second hour. He's our political consultancy and pollster and numbers guru. We'll talk to him about anything on your mind vis-a-vis what's going on here and around the rest of the country. Our current guest is not fully disarmed on the issue. It's a delight to have him in studio from Washington, D.C., the great Mark Krikorian. He is the executive director for the Center at the Center for Immigration Studies. CIS.org is the website. Regular guest, someone I've known for at least 20 years. I don't think anyone knows more about immigration issues in this country than Mark. And he is uh, where the um, where the policy uh, thinkers and leaders go to get their information. So, Mark, welcome to the studio. Glad to have you here. Glad to be here in person. Thank you, sir. Mark, what brings you here? There's a conference, um, David Horowitz Freedom Center. It's a group in L.A., but they do these kind of conferences. And so I'm speaking this weekend. Uh, what will be tomorrow, the topic actually. you're speaking? Well, I mean, it's, it's not health care or juggling. <laughs> it's, uh, um, immigration, it's like borders and American sovereignty, I think, is oh, okay. the title that I want to okay. talk about. And so what's going on at the borders and what that means, why it's happening. When's the last time you'd seen our, you've seen our border? Oh, I was just actually, the reason I'm, I took advantage of this conference to last week start in California and drive along the border. So I've visited just literally over the past week oh, okay. the San Diego border, uh, Yuma, Arizona. Uh, I was there in the middle of the night when all kinds of people were illegals were illegally crossing and turning themselves in. Well, tell us what you've observed and what the state of our border situation is. It's funny. It was a big issue in the campaign for a while and seemed to recede a little bit. Now, naturally, we're talking about the mechanics of the politics of everything. But tell us about the border situation as you know it, as you've seen it, things that might surprise the audience, things that may or may not have surprised you. Just give us an overview. Where are we with our border? Complete disaster. And it's a disaster not because the Biden administration is incompetent at it or is botching it. Um, It's a disaster because this is the first administration ever which doesn't even pretend to want to deter illegal crossings. They, I mean, literally, Secretary Mayorkas, head of Homeland Security, was pressed on TV, on NBC of all places, which is sort of the most lefty of all of these places. And, you know, he was pressed saying... Is it the administration's objective to try to significantly reduce the number of people illegally crossing the border? And he would not say yes. His goal was they want to process people humanely as possible. They've essentially invited everyone in the world to come here. And over the past week, I saw a lot of that. In fact, there was one I was in San Diego where the border fence meets the beach there. It's the far end of the border. 
And this is the middle of the day. It's like 11 o'clock in the morning, I think. A group of Vietnamese and Jamaicans, I found out later, had used ladders to come over the wall and then another ladder to come down, which is possible. The thing is that they did that because they knew they'd be caught. They were turning themselves in. And they were being, you know, whatever, taking their pictures. The Border Patrol was all there, put them in vans, took them. And, uh, you know, they probably hold them for a day or two to do, make sure they're not terrorists. And then they're going to let them go. That's why they wanted to be caught. They knew they could get right. here, be detained for 48 hours, and then. That's the whole point. Yeah. The, the Border Patrol calls them give-ups mm-hmm. as opposed to gotaways, mm-hmm. which are the people who know Never that got, if, no. they do tur- if they do get caught, they actually won't just get let go. People who are, first of all, either really bad guys, they're carrying dope, or even just regular working stiffs, but who have been formally deported in the past. Not just bounced back, but they went through the process and were deported. Because if you come back after that, that's a felony. Yeah. And you can be convicted. So, so yeah, these people, and I saw a bunch of them in the Yuma area as well, they're literally just coming there, turning themselves in. In Yuma, there's um, no wall. I mean, there is, but there it is just a wall, stops. and then it ends yeah, where an right. Indian reservation yeah. starts. Right, and they have porta potties and water, and you know these the shaded things. You know, you park your car under here out in Arizona, so your car doesn't melt. Yeah, um, they have those, and it's all it'd be the border patrol guys. They're kind of taking it in stride, but it's like this is not. We're not yeah, doing what I have job heard here. from them is t- tremendous demoralization, mm-hmm. um, and there's any number of reasons for that, mostly from the top down. I mean, they oh, didn't absolutely. have that level of demoralization three years ago, let us say. The, things that, the thing that struck me about my more recent uh, border visit to the Yuma sector, more than anything else from the previous visit, I guess it was during the Trump administration and then during the Biden administration, is this odd – to me, odd, um, blasé, um, or shall I say, um, banality of of how the illegals are coming across, and how the border patrol. The, when Trump was there, the border patrol gave chase. Here, they just kind of they go through a very what looks like a routinized process yep. with no alarms or excursions. Okay, we're crossing illegally. There's the pup tent. We're going to go there. We're going to reg- – I mean it was all very methodical, and it's eerie. I have to tell you it was eerie to me to see it that way. The administration is attempting to normalize yeah. illegal crossing of the border. And the interesting thing for me is that – at least this is my speculation, and I think it's informed speculation. They're not doing this – because they think they're importing voters or what have you. And uh, there's this sense that yeah. there must be a plan. Right. And I have no doubt that they're, you know, they probably figure, yeah, okay, it'll That's help. That's an ancillary benefit. But down it's the ancillary. Line. The real thinking here is that the people in this administration do not believe America has the right to say no to anybody. They do not believe the American people have a right to a sovereign border. And therefore, anyone who walks up must be let in, and saying no is a human rights violation. That's interesting. So it's almost a um, it's almost a radical inversion of American exceptionalism, or at least, or at least American. Um, uh, yeah, I guess that's the phrase I'll stick with. American exceptionalism. Barack Obama choked on saying America was exceptional, and this is the policy that shows it. There's no reason we should protect ourselves from any from 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 any other country in any way necessarily possible. Because what's the point? And I'd the- actually say it is a kind of exceptionalism. Okay, because 
intellectually, the people running this administration don't accept national borders. They're uh-huh. just sort of against uh-huh. it. But the exceptionalism part is that we are exceptionally generous. No, 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 not not generous. Exceptionally prohibited uh-huh. from keeping uh-huh. anyone. Uh-huh. In other words, uh-huh. El Salvador. Uh-huh. Okay, well, they can have a border. Uh-huh. And, you know, uh, they don't have an immigration Burkina problem. Burkina Faso can have a border. Mm-hmm. No, I mean even kind of in a moral sense. They're mm-hmm. sort of allowed to say no. We're not allowed to say no because oh. we are exceptionally evil. I see. I mean, that's – and nobody like – they're not yeah, saying they it that right. way. Right. But but they are kind of explicit in saying that anyone coming to the border should be let in. That they're open about. So it is a down market view of America. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is, is what's informing it. Yeah, I, I, I've interviewed any number of people on this and taken any number of calls on this. And the question a lot of callers will ask is, why is the administration doing this? It's, it's never mind that it's illegal ab initio. Never right, mind that obviously. it's a violation of our sovereignty from the get-go. But we have some crises here mm-hmm. that are um, – identifiable to this problem. Uh, The drug poisoning crisis is very much a part of our border problem or our border enforcement problem. And people sometimes, even politicians, don't understand this connection between the drugs and and the immigration issue. It's not so much that these people turning themselves in or even other illegal immigrants are all hoofing huge amount of dope across the border. There's some of that, obviously. The problem is the Border Patrol is not capable of patrolling the border when a group of three and four hundred people comes across. All the agents have to be stripped off the border to process these people. And guess what? That's when cartels will move people across, move dope and bad guys across the border because they, even though the drug cartels don't do the smuggling, there's like separate groups and they pay the cartels. Yeah, there's like an outsourcing. A permission yeah. okay. to do it. But the cartels do tell the people cross here at this time and don't ask what's happening five miles upriver at the same time. Mm-hmm. Let me uh, let me take a commercial break. Uh, Mark Krikorian is our guest. He is the executive director at the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. And we're happy to take your calls, too, 602-508-0960. If you have a question for Mark or I, Mark or me, sorry, if you have a question for Mark or me, on uh, border, immigration, anything, uh, we're here for you. 602-5089-60. Mark and I will be right back. Welcome back. If you are concerned with stock market volatility, why refi is offering an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market. A portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose. And there's no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Your interest is compounded daily, you're paid monthly, and there are no fees. This is a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. How high? Up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right, 10 and a quarter percent rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. That's 888-YREFI-34. Due diligence approved firm. You can visit them and uh, you won't get a sales pitch. They leave that to me. They just like talking about what they do. 
and let it speak for itself. Mark Krikorian is our guest. He is the executive director of the Center for Immigration Studies. Happy to take your calls at uh, 602-508-0960. Mark, let me call back to a story from about a year ago and bring it to something that's taking place literally today. We were talking about the demoralization of our Border Patrol agents, and um, many of us were so offended by the uh, Haitian story with the horses and the whips. We learned about three weeks ago that uh, even even Mayorkas knew at the time it wasn't a real story when he took it to the president. Um, no real accountability there, but it was a good opportunity for a lot on the left to beat up on our Border Patrol yep. and um, kind of another go-to for the Democrats, I suppose, law enforcement. Uh, today, uh, today, Someone Arizonans may know, different part of Arizona, but they may know Chris Magnus, who is the uh, Border Protection Customs and Border Protection Commissioner. They're asking him to resign. Seems like he doesn't want to go, but they're asking him to resign. Put this together for us, or tell us what's going on here. Magnus was a police chief down in Tucson, basically a sanctuary city police chief, and so uh, they picked him to be head of Customs and Border Protection, which oversees both the Border Patrol and the people at the legal crossing points. And he's apparently not very good at his job, just regardless. I mean, uh, Axios, which is a D.C.-based publication plugged into what's going on, people leak to them all the time, did a story about how uh, he falls asleep during meetings, that kind of stuff. So he's, he's basically just terrible at his job, putting the whole policy issue to one side. What I think we're seeing now, and the, the reports are that they're trying to force him out. They're telling him, look, you've got to quit or we're going to fire you. I think they want him to be the fall guy for what's going on in the administration, for what's going on at the border. It's not that the White House isn't for it. They know what they're doing. They're all for it. But they understand that it's politically problematic. And so I think generally to protect the administration, but also specifically to protect Secretary Mayorkas, who's the head of Homeland Security, and Magnus works under him make this guy the scapegoat. And frankly, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm happy if he gets removed. He's terrible he's terrible at his job. He's terrible at uh, his policies. But it's not going to change anything. It's a spoke and on a wheel, right? It's a spoke on a wheel. It's a good way to put it. Uh, the policy comes from the White House. Yeah. And even getting rid of Secretary Mayorkas won't change much, but he would be the next person to get rid of. And, in fact, there's serious talk about impeaching him next year in the House of Representatives. Impeaching him for incompetence and, and the and policy not, generally. Willful refusal to, uh, to follow the law. Okay. I mean, the immigration law says anyone who crosses the border illegally must be detained, held in detention, until either they're given some kind of prop, they get asylum, or they're removed from the country. And these guys are detaining almost nobody. In fact, they're asking for less money for detention for the current fiscal year than they had last year. And last That's year there unheard was, of. Yeah. It, and, I've, been, I've never – I've rarely heard – I've only heard of one other administration official asking for less money in budget requests, and that was Bill Bennett at Education. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and again – Trying to defund it. Yeah, exactly. He didn't, <laughs> right. he didn't want the Department right, of right, Education. Right. To, and these guys don't want – they don't believe that it is morally right – to detain any illegal alien. God, why can't we the put United these States. people in the head of the PLO? That's what I'm Mark Krikorian, our guest, Center for Immigration Studies. 
So how um, I, I, I guess the, the natural question then to follow up on all that is how this played out in the other main issue before us, the elections and the fallout. Immigration was certainly a major issue in the campaigns in Arizona. How much so across the country? How was it dealt with? Was it dealt with rightly? Was it fruit that was picked well? Was it not? Give us an overview of how immigration issues in the election. There's a couple things. First of all, because of inflation and all the rest of it, all other issues got swamped out. And then if you add Dobbs and the abortion issue, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Even though people responded saying that immigration was up there, one of their top issues, the other issues, the economy and depending on the place, the abortion issue, so overawed a lot of others, it didn't have as much impact as I think it could have. That's the first point. Secondly, who are the two politicians most associated with Republican pushback against Biden's policies? Abbott and DeSantis. Yeah, and uh, I'm pretty sure they finished counting those votes. And uh, they won. Abbott won comfortably. DeSantis annihilated his uh, opponent. Mm -hmm. Um, And so certainly didn't hurt them. Uh And there were three... Mexican-American Republican women running for the three border districts in South Texas. Um, There was a lot of, I think, people believing their own press releases about how they were all going to over, you know, they didn't, one of them won. But the one who won was the one everybody expected to win. Um, Monica De La Cruz, she's going to be, I've met her, she's going to be a good congresswoman. She's really got, she ran last time, barely lost. They redistricted, make it a little better district for her. So she's she's good. Um, remember, there was a lot of hype about the woman who won a special election. Yep. Yep. She wasn't going to win re-election unless there was some kind of earth-shattering event because they redistricted. In other words, she ran a special election. She was congresswoman for six months. Mm-hmm. It's not going to last longer than that. That was no surprise. And the other of these three um, Mexican-American, Hispanic women, and I forget the Spanish term for it, but they were referred to as basically – Girl bosses, you know, oh, badass uh, women. That was uh, this. They that was they were kind of referred to in a group like that. She was running against Cuellar, Congressman uh, Cuellar, yeah. who's the who's only, already good on it. Who's the only Democrat uh, in Congress who believes that we yeah. should have a border? Yeah. So, and he's been there for twenty years. So he neutralized that issue. Yeah, exactly. He neutralized it because, and people know him and all of this. So that the point is, that was the hardest of those to win. If she had won, that's the kind of thing where you would not have seen all the other stuff. We're seeing everybody would have won if the conditions were such that she would have won. So so the point is the very fact that she lost is actually a testament to the power of the border issue mm-hmm. because Cuellar was the one who realized how da- powerful it was, and because of that was the only Democrat criticizing Biden. I am Seth Leibson. He is Mark Krikorian from the Center for Immigration Studies, 602-508-0960. If you have a question for him or a comment or a thought on anything immigration-related, Or, you know, I'll tell you something, quite frankly, anything else. The guy is widely read and widely studied. He is a scholar in uh, many areas. I am Seth Liebson. He is Mark, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Mark Krikorian is our guest. He is the executive director at the Center for Immigration Studies. Happy to take your calls at 602-508-0960 told me he was in town. We've known each other a long time. Immigration having rated so high as an issue of concern in this election, I wanted to have him in. Mark, um, take advantage of his presence here. Mark, what might people expect, assuming a Republican uh, t- 
take back, take over of the House of Representatives. What might we expect to see with regard to immigration policy changing or uh, exacerbating for the worse or getting better? There's two sides to it. What would Congress do? And then what would the administration do? And frankly, if the if the Democrats had really gotten a shellacking this time, it's entirely possible that the somewhat more realist faction in the White House that wants the same open borders as the rest of them but is a little more incrementalist would have gained the upper hand and said, okay, look, we've got to dial back a little bit. You know, we've got to boil the frog slower. Mm-hmm. Biden, they didn't get shellacked. And Biden had a press conference, was it, I think, yesterday maybe? Yeah. or the day before and, where he said, I'm he not said, changing. he said, I'm not changing anything. And we're not going to be changing anything. And that, that goes for immigration too. So um, that's going to be bad. Now the question, the other side is, what can a Republican House, even if that's all they get if they don't get the Senate, what can they do? The legislature in any system can has a lot of power to stop the executive branch, the president or the governor or whatever the thing is, from doing things. It's much harder to make him proactively do something he doesn't want to do. So I think they can do is, a restraining order. They can't do a writ of mandamus. OK, well, there you go. OK, uh, since I'm blessedly never went to law school, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm free of that kind of thinking. So my cousin really wanted me to go. And I was like, no, sorry. Uh-huh. Um, there's probably three things you're going to see from the from the Republican Congress House. One is hearings and investigations because, you know, they can subpoena stuff. And there's a lot of this administration is unbelievably non-transparent about what's going on. I mean, the Trump administration, they just released the data, put it on the website, think about, you know, do with it what you will. These guys don't do that. So that's one. Second, I think it's almost certain they're going to impeach Secretary Mayorkas, the head of DHS. Of all the administration officials, is he the number one target for impeachment? I I think If there's impeachment, he would be the number one. I think so. I mean, people talk about the attorney general, maybe, maybe not. And certainly the president, look, the guy is I think it's pretty clearly has done impeachable offenses, but impeachment is a political act. They're not going to get him removed. And even if they did, then Kamala Harris would become president. That doesn't work. We tried it with Clinton. It's a political loser. This, I think, impeaching Mayorkas is is something that has a good justification. He is an extraordinarily unsympathetic character, both in his actions and even just his sort of affect. Um, And... I think it would direct a lot of the Republican energy to to impeach somebody in a more constructive, politically more constructive direction. And then the third thing is the power of the purse, obviously. Congress decides on whether, you know, what money can be spent on. There's a lot of things they can do. They also, though, can try to overreach. And in other words, if they do that, you're going to see Biden trying to force a government shutdown fight. And I think the administration is going to try to do that anyway. Republicans always lose those. So it's going to be one of those things where Republican leadership is going to have to play it smart, try to get as many things in a spending bill as they can, just to the point where the administration won't be willing to veto it. You see what I mean? Yes. So, but, that's, but those are the three things I think you're going to see. And there's probably a few different proposals flowing around Republican circles on Capitol Hill. We're going to hit a break, and I'd like to talk about those. And also one other thing. This was a short segment. We'll have a longer one coming up. One other thing. You and I have talked about it before, and it's probably worth talking about again on a day like today, after shortly after the election. 
a, a lot of times you will be told, man, if the Republicans would stay off X issue, they'll do better. I have heard this again and again when it comes to immigration. And um, I, I heard that it's what ruined the California Republican Party. I never accepted it. I've never bought into this. And I'm wondering if you might address that as well. Am I right or are they right? I'm Seth Liebson. He's Mark Krikorian. And we will both be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Gold has been used as money for nearly 3,000 years, and it still remains a common-sense investment that's simple and straightforward. You don't need a pushy commission salesperson to tell you why you should buy gold. You already want it. What you need is a reputable dealer with advice based on experience and a complete range of bullion and coins so you get what you want at the best value. Enter the Midas Gold Group. They're veteran-owned and staffed, proud supporters of this show and this station, and they are fighting for your right to financial stability and privacy that gold offers. Trust the dealer that I, Seb Gorka, and thousands of you already trust, the Midas Gold Group. You can give them a call at 480-360-3000, 480-360-3000, or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Make sure and tell them I sent you. Mark Krikorian is our guest. He's the executive director at the Center for Immigration Studies. Two things, uh, Mark. Um, want to look back and want to look forward. On the look back part, I was saying just before the break that a lot of people have said in the past there is this issue Republicans should change on or get rid of or this issue they should temper their views on or get rid of. You used to hear that a lot about the immigration and the illegal immigration issues. Um, Seems to me that that's a myth, that our focus on it is, if if anything, uh, something we need to speak more about and speak up on more, not less. It doesn't seem to be something that hurts us when we do it right, but you tell me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, in fact, it was precisely the effort to not talk about immigration in any kind of substantive or sustained way that opened the door to Trump. You know, the issue was sitting there on the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what usually happened, and this sometimes you still get this with Republican politicians, They'll talk about border stuff. We need tougher border and what have you. And then, but that's because they want to satisfy the voters at election time. And then once they get in office, they service their donor interests by making sure they, you know, either don't really enforce the law or, or in addition, massive increases in guest worker programs. So there was always this dodge that Republican politicians did. And it doesn't. I mean, it obviously doesn't work because Trump came in and, you know, ate their lunch. Uh, and that's – and look, I mean, I, look, I voted for the guy twice. I don't want to vote for him a third time if I don't have to, although I guess I might. Um, but he exposed that issue as something you need to talk about. The thing is talking about it intelligently and constructively. That's the issue. So if sometimes people you know, get carried away with themselves, and this is – Trump did some of this, you know, the rec- Mexican rapists and all this stuff. Yes, of course there's Mexican rapists. But, um, you know, the the issue is how do we talk about it in a way that doesn't scare people, that doesn't make you sound like you hate foreigners? Because most people are I – mean, they don't care. Most people know – and certainly in big cities all know immigrants, work with them, might be married mm-hmm. to them. They're normal people. Some are good. Some are bad. They're just regular people like anybody else. Talk about it in that kind of way, but – Talk about it in a way that is it explains how 
excessive immigration is bad for their interests, not because the immigrants are bad, because the policy is contrary. It's not good for schools. It's not good for the job market, for taxpayers, et cetera. And it's not a turnoff particularly to even uh, segments of the, or voting blocks in the Latino or Hispanic no, no. American. Yeah. They're, they're on board with it, the legal ones anyway. DeSantis yeah. won like 52% yeah. of the Hispanic vote in right. Florida, for right. instance. This is the man who flew um, Venezuelans yes, to exactly. Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, to yeah. Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. So, and he's called for reductions in legal immigration. The issue is not conflating the immigrants as people with immigration as an issue. And Republicans sometimes have done the opposite. I mean, have done that, but in a bad way, in the opposite way. Well, they're both bad. McCain, for instance, he would, like, chastise people who wanted better border enforcement right. by saying, well, they're all children of God. Right. Of course they're children of God. Right. What does that have to do with tomorrow's immigration policy? That's the issue. Mm-hmm. Not are immigrants bad or good, but is immigration policy promoting the interests of Americans, yes or no? So that's a good segue to the next question. Assuming Republican takeover of the House, there must be some proposals, some fixes. What's out there that you like? What would you encourage more of that you're not seeing enough of? There's a lot of individual bills out there. There's packages that people are talking about. What we need is to start with some of the things that were already, for instance, in a bill that the Trump administration pushed in 2018 that was sabotaged by Paul Ryan, Republican, ostensible Republican Speaker of the House, things like, for instance, plugging some of the loopholes at the border that enable uh, illegal immigrants to use asylum claims as a way of getting in the country. Now, that's not going to change that much under this administration because these guys will just let them in anyway, but it sets up, uh, it sort of sets the groundwork for, say, in 2025 a Republican Congress and a Republican president to make those changes. But you start by passing them in the House, even if the Senate doesn't go anywhere. That would be one thing I do. Second, there's something called remain in Mexico. It was a policy that is permitted in the law, but not required. Under the Trump administration, they did that, where a person who illegally crosses the border, claims asylum, is made to wait on the Mexican side of the border until his hearing date comes up. And What that does is weed out the people who just were using an asylum claim as a dodge to get into the country. What what percentage do you figure that to be? Uh, Overwhelming. 95%. Yeah, Yeah. okay. Um, um, And then a third thing, and there's a whole list, but let me just, you know, the rule of three, let me just (laughs) pick the third thing that I think is most important, is mandatory E-Verify. This is online electronic system. It exists now, so when you hire somebody, and you get their Social Security and IRS information, which you have to do anyway, you just verify whether it's real or not. Um, It exists now. It works well. About half of new hires go through it, but the other half don't, and guess where the illegal immigrants are. Mm -hmm. Now, there are are fixes to that. The the, uh, Trump administration tried to just sort of bypass Congress and do what some people call G-Verify, where the employer doesn't have to do anything. They just submit the IRS inf- you know, to Social Security and IRS. Good When you hire somebody, you do that anyway. And the government does the verification just of everybody all the time as a matter of course. The idea that we're not doing that anyway is absurd. Mm-hmm. Trump administration belatedly introduced a regulation to do that, which they can do without Congress, and never pulled the trigger on it. I think Jared's people didn't like it. Who knows what? Um, that's something Congress can try through legislation to force. So those are three big things that would make a huge difference. But again, 
they're not going to make that much difference in two years because these this administration isn't going to want to do anything yeah, about even it. Even if we were to win the Senate, they would they would probably veto it. And even if they didn't veto it, they can slow lock it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. no, they yeah, oh, even oh, if they, yes, they wouldn't. Yeah. Over, yes, if, they, if even if there were an override, which mm-hmm. no one would expect the majority exactly. we're going to have able to do that. There's a word you didn't use, and it's a word um, that you speak about. Um, with some um, some subtleties, actually, uh, that uh, I wonder if we might close the show out on when we come right back, and that's the issue of the wall. Okay, I'm Seth Liebson. He's Mark Krikorian, Center for Immigration Studies is his organization. You want to learn about immigration policy, illegal immigration policy, CIS.org is the website. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Mark Krikorian has been generous with his time. Thank you, Mark, for being with us for this hour. Uh, the wall, uh, that, that was one issue that, uh, that, I, that was not part of the tripartite series of solutions. Uh, how important, how much, of a, how much of an issue is the wall? Look, I'm not against the wall. The wall is an important tool. The problem is um, when, with President Trump talking about it kind of as the thing mm-hmm. and chance of build the wall and all all you have um people assumed i think the wall was more than it really was Uh it's a speed bump in a sense uh, and it's a funnel kind of and it's useful a lot of places there are some places you probably don't need it but generally speaking it's useful but it's just a tool um i was uh like i said at the top of the show i was in san diego we have a double fence there some places it's triple but where i was it was a double fence people came over it anyway knowing that they weren't going to get over the second side because they knew the border patrol was going to come they're going to turn themselves in and they would be uh you know they put them in a van and take them to some place and then let them go later so it's important but if the policy and the personnel and what have you isn't there to back it up then it is just for show. So, yes, the Congress should be pushing to for places that the administration might be willing to, like, fill gaps or something if they're pressured on it. But this administration could build a wall the whole 2,000 miles, 1,000 feet high with machine guns and alligators. It doesn't matter because they're just going to want to let people in anyway. In Texas, for instance, just as a quick story, the wall can't be built on the border the way it is in Arizona because there's a river and it meanders and there's flooding issues. So it has to be built back from the wall. Well, when an illegal alien gets across the river, they're on U.S. soil. Yeah. The Border Patrol is required to go through the wall, pick them up, and bring them into the United yeah. States. So it's not helping there. Talk to me about other projects people can follow your work on and what, uh, what, what you're up to when you're not interviewing with me. I have a podcast uh, because I have a face for radio, so I figured I'd give it a try. Um, it's called Parsing Immigration Policy. It's on all the usual podcast places. Once a week, half hour or so, we interview people. And um, obviously our website, cis.org. And if you like snark and sarcasm, I'm on Twitter at Mark S., as in Stephen, Mark S. Krikorian. Wonderful. Well, Mark, thanks for everything you do. Thanks for uh, your friendship. Thanks for your intellect. Thanks for pushing on this issue. 
in all the right ways and for leading so many of our movement and so many of our elected representatives to uh, doing the right thing here. Stay at it, brother. Will do. Thank you. Good to see you. All right. For those that want to get a little bit more into the nitty-gritty of politics and what we've been watching over the course of the week and what we'll be expecting to see over the next, oh, I don't know, 72 hours or so, George Kaloff is coming right up. He of the Resolute Group and Data Orbital. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.